Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and today we're reviewing ourselves, the One Stop <laughs> Co-op Shop. <laughs> That's an exciting one. I want to hear about us. Yes. And at the end, we are going to have a design discussion about what we've learned in 400 episodes, because that's why we're here today, to celebrate 400 episodes of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. And we're not going to restrict it to the podcast, but that is kind of where it all started. So I I think that's where we should all start, probably. Right, Mike? Yep. (laughs) It's not the 400th episode of the YouTube channel. It's the 400th episode of the podcast. Right. We were trying to have Colin on because Colin was the one that originally founded the YouTube channel, and we'll get to that when we get through the history. But unfortunately, he was out to dinner tonight and unable to make it. So uh, you're stuck with us two Maronis, or I don't even know what that means. I don't know what a Maroni is. (laughs) Uh, But before we get into everything, you want to talk about what you've been playing or thank some Patreon? Yeah. Well, yeah, let's thank patrons first. So if you don't know, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash one stop. We have early access to the main channel YouTube videos there. Usually uh, every Sunday I send out links to all the videos we'll have for that week. And this week I want to thank No Name, Peter Samet, and Dan Kirstead. No Name, Peter Samet, and Dan Kirstead. Thank you. And if you uh, don't have it in your current financial picture uh, to support us on Patreon, you can uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, to the streaming channel, uh, leave a review for the podcast, come talk to us on Discord everything helps so thanks everybody let's talk about what we've been playing lately so i've been playing two games that you've been talking about a lot the last couple weeks on the podcast which is 20 strong which is the chip theory game it's really a dice game dice and card game where you are uh they they use the dice system from hoplomachus where you're rolling dice to hit the enemies and you're rolling red dice means they all hit Right. The only thing that's different from these dice are actually that they have a critical on each of them, meaning you get to count the hit and then, or no, it counts as two hits, right? Is that critical? Correct. Yes. I'm sorry. I was thinking exploding dice. They are not exploding. You just counted as a double hit. But, you know, they have the red dice, which are six sides that have hits. Black dice are five sides, etc. I think it's a green, then blue, then yellow, whatever. But uh, So it's got similar dice to Hoplomachus, but the way you play is very different. Um, You're going to encounter basically one card at a time, although when you encounter an enemy on a card, it might tell you to bring another card to three down that might even chain, and you might be forced to bring some enemies down. But as you defeat these enemies, you're going to be getting upgrades to your character. They might be one-time use upgrades. They may be more permanent upgrades that help you dice fix as you go along throughout. And the whole point is to beat a bunch of enemies and get to the boss. And there are three different scenarios that are out right now. Is that all that's coming with the base release? I mean, I say well, all. Well, number it's- one, it's not out right now. We, we got like a really exclusive early copy. So yeah, don't, don't, don't mislead people. <laughs> Right. But it, it, there are three different scenarios. Correct, one yeah. is associated with too many bones. One is associated... What, what are the other two? Sorry. Hoplomachus Victorum. Okay. And the, the one that comes with the base set. So I don't think there's any way to get the game and not get this because it's kind of like a Final Girl where you need like a base set and then you can add on other stuff. That's called Solar Sentinels. That is not, to my knowledge, a game that Chip Theory has made. I don't know if it's a game they're going to make. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's fun. Like, it's uh, some randomness involved in it, for sure. What enemies come off the top of the deck, what you roll, things like that. But you do have a lot of options. And I like the way they do it is you roll as many dice as you want, but all the dice you roll are going to go into a used pile. And you will get some dice back at the end of the turn. It's really an interesting decision. A lot of games like Conan have done this with, like, a stamina system. But I, I really think it's interesting the way they do it with the dice, because... The best dice aren't always the best dice, and sometimes you're limited with how many dice you can bring into a combat, things like that. So you can get some really interesting combinations of enemies as you have to pull more and more out. Sometimes that really can make it difficult or challenging, but it's also fun to, like, sometimes yellow dice count as two hits always or whatever else. So it's interesting how you can pull different enemies out to make different combinations. Um, This isn't a full review. We'll definitely be doing that on the podcast in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, no, I'm having fun with it so far. And, uh, you know, even when you play the same scenario again, you have lots of different hero choices and lots of different villain choices that'll come up throughout the scenario. So yeah, it doesn't feel the same even playing it back again. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious how you'll feel when you play uh, Too Many Bones and Victorium. Because Too Many Bones really leans into groups of enemies with like abilities that kind of combo together in interesting ways because it has the same Too Many Bones mechanic where... As your days build up, you're getting more and more enemies. You're fighting like three, four, five, six people at once. This is very different than Solar Sentinels, where like the most I've usually fought is maybe three or four when it's the boss fight. And then uh, Victorum is very tough, Peter, because you don't start with all your dice. You have to actually recruit them and you like get them at the weakest level and you got to like, kind of like level them up, sort of like your squad and Hapulamakis Victorum. Well, you that do that I with found. dice in Victorum too. Remember, you get them at the yellow level and then you have to level them up that's, to you. That's what, that's what I just said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you were saying the chips, like the like your squad of, of heroes, you have to well, level no, I mean, up. There are no chips in this. I'm talking about the dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, but I'm saying in Victorum, you also level up your stats, if you remember. Your hero oh, stats, yeah, yeah, call, you get more dice. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find Victorum by far the uh, the hardest of the three so far. All right, well, here, I'll, I'll say a few things I've been playing quickly, and then you can talk about Sky Team. I'm just, like, slammed with games, and if you can't see my red eyes, <laughs> the school year is starting up, so uh, this week is pre-service where the students aren't there yet, and then I'm uh, back uh, next week. So I'm not, like, ready for the time change yet. Like, I've been uh, getting up at 6 a.m., where before that, during the summer, I've been getting up at, like, 7.30 or 8. So I'm a little tired. <laughs> but I'm still trying to, to get to some really good games. Uh, a few that I'll mention quickly. Uh, Hegemony. I played that with you, Peter, right? Uh, and Jerry, competitively. You remember that, the one where we The were economic games? game? Yeah, the economic game. Yep. So if, so if you don't know this, it's four uh, diverse factions. All you don't have to use all of them, and like basically you're all trying to uh, make your faction happy in this like state, uh, economically and politically. Like the the main ones you always play with are the working class and the capitalists, sort of the controllers of business and the like regular workers. Then you can have the middle class and the state in there as well. I like the solo mode in some ways. I dislike it in other ways. I'll have a uh, a review of that at some point. Do and they then, do a lot uh, to vary up? how the other side plays well the factions are already so different that the solo just works with that and it tends to work pretty well the i mean there's challenges but again we we can get into those later and then also a goofy one peter uh you know you and i played and reviewed in a very it's funny on the 400th episode we reviewed thanos rising i feel like that was one of our earliest episodes wasn't it like one of our first like 20 or so i can look that Uh, up yep 
we do have some uh, congratulations and some stuff out there before we get into Thanos Rising. We got congratulations from Dr. Han. Congratulations on the 400th podcast. Ryan Picklesimer says, howdy, howdy. Here's to the next 400. Uh, and we had uh, Matt talking about the exploding dice that actually aren't in 20 Strong. He says, someone should make an exploding dice that literally explodes. Niche product, but there is a market. Oh, and also, I think somebody asked, maybe it was Matt, if I if my students knew about like the YouTube channel and the podcast and all of that. The answer is sometimes. Like I, I'm a I'm a pretty transparent teacher. If they ask me stuff, I will talk about it. But I'm certainly not like <laughs> going out and be like subscribe to the podcast, you know, and like trying to uh, strong arm them into anything. Uh, but yeah, there there are like some gamers. I don't usually have much time to like game <laughs> with students. So Mike, you you were saying Thanos Rising we covered early on. Yes, we covered in episode forty three, and this is interesting. Well, I didn't realize this. Listen to this though. The podcast is titled The Reckoners and Thanos Rising Reviews and Design Discussion. I think it's because we hated Thanos Rising and we didn't want to just be mean. So not Thanos Rising. Why don't you tell us about Fire Nation Rising? Is that what it's called? I'll try to summarize. So yes, I didn't love Thanos Rising. Fire Nation Rising has all the same issues in that it's very swingy. Sometimes your dices don't do anything. You can uh, snowball if you know if you if you don't get some good teammates that give you more dice and give you like better mitigation. You're just gonna like slowly crash and burn, and it can be very anticlimactic. But I like Avatar more than Marvel. I'm playing with my kids now. Completely different context to the game before it was just me like serious gamer Mike playing Thanos Rising. And my kids love Avatar The Last Airbender, and I do too. So they are like geeking out and getting excited when they get certain characters and see certain characters in the game. So yes, I I have been thoroughly enjoying Fire Nation Rising. And that is with no, in my opinion, basically no improvements in the game system. Like there's a couple of mechanics that are different, but they're pretty minor. (laughs) So it's still a, you know, somewhat flawed game. But dang, if it isn't fun when uh, the the stars are right and everything works out. Am I gone? Are you gone, Peter? Sandy? I was muted. <laughs> this is, I was trying to listen to make sure your audio is working, and I muted myself. <laughs> All right, this is going really well. <laughs> so what I was saying is... I think that uh, this is something people should know about you specifically in your reviews is that you <coughs> tend to like games better when your kids like them. I, I, that's just something I've noticed about. I mean, you. I, I, I don't hide that at all. In no, no, no. When that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that it's just a theme change, really. Most of the mechanics are the same, at least from what you can remember. But just the theme change as well as playing with your kids. And I think anytime you play a game with your kids, and I'm guilty of this as well, the only one this hasn't held true for is uh, Aeon Trespass Odyssey, (laughs) which my boy keeps asking me to play, and I just I can't do it, Mike. Oh, but you still like it. (laughs) I enjoy the game. I'd never want to run it again in my entire life. It is so much work, at least for me, because like I just don't hold rules in my brain the same way. It's just one I had to look up rules a lot. They're all there. I mean, I feel like I've always played it pretty close to well. I I know that's been a, a debate out there in the past. It's just I have to look up rules a lot. It's just a remembering the thing is is the issue. Yeah, I mean, I like to think, I might be wrong on this, but I like to think that my reviews are still, like, my. I recorded the Fire Nation Rising review, and I'm definitely coming down on the game hard about a lot of things, 
but that's different. It's really like me liking games with my kids really matters more for shelf life than for my reviews, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. Like, I, I, well, I guess the weird one recently is Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, because I gave that five pros. Now, some of them were like very caveated pros and like you might hate this pros, but for my taste, it's hidden right. Right. But I've continued to play that. Uh, actually, that's another one I've been playing recently. We're a few scenarios into chapter three out of five. So we are past the halfway point, I think, at this point. Okay. Um, so that's well, like chapter 12 or 13. It's pretty short, though, right? Well, I mean, what I'm saying is we're like 12 or 13 in out of 25. So we are. Oh. Very, we are quite deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it continues to be a blast. It continues to be fun. I've been, I've been uh, playing around with switching around characters. My kids will not switch characters. They're like <laughs> super lifelong uh dependent you know like uh supporters of uh gurky and fiona but uh I, I did gog in this last one. Oh, it was great it was uh, not to spoil lighter scenarios too much but um there's like birds and fruit and like <laughs> bats and wolves and like the bird's your friend but he's not your friend and then um <laughs> uh but gog has an ability to throw an ally like five spaces so i was like throwing the bird whenever i could to try to get him to like not mess up our play oh it was, it was excellent <laughs> that game is really good it really is and it the next one is a freaking arena battle with like all mini bosses like it's like oh. I, at least from what i can tell it's like four non like no spawning or maybe they i didn't see like maybe they take turns but it's like four really tough bosses and nobody else. So it's I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, no, I am uh, 100% with you that I know you said it was your favorite dungeon crawl of all time. I think it's moved up there for me, too. I haven't played it nearly as much as you. I've only played through the first chapter. But from what we played in prototype and then playing that first chapter again, it is so good. But yeah, I mean, there are other things that will compete with it. I know both of us are very excited about Tidal Blades, too. Well, yes. Fabulous from what we played so far. I'm just I don't know if they can keep up how good this scenario was that first scenario was right like that's the only i guess we played two or three scenarios we played the first three and i thought they were all good remember the uh yeah the second one was kind of like a race and the third one we had to like go in and rescue that guy and then fight the boss and the boss mechanics were pretty solid yeah the puzzle in that game is so good i don't think you're gonna yeah. beat that the, the the mechanics in tales from the red dragon inn are very basic but basic, good basic. but but in a fun, fun way. Yeah. Like it is. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that'll that be tough because I think I like what you're doing better in Tidal Blades 2, even though the game's not out yet. Right. I like what you're doing better. I think that puzzle's more interesting. But I do like the scenarios and Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. I don't know. Again, I don't remember. It's been a while for Tidal Blades. I don't remember them being as dynamic as what you're doing in Red Dragon Inn. Yeah. I mean, it, it remains to be seen. I would say two out of three of them were, well... One and a half out of three of them were like pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. But let's get into the last one, which is another great game. This it's been a time of good games, I guess. What was it? What's it called? The the flight landing one? <laughs> oh, uh, Sky Team. Sky Team. Yeah. Which I don't know. Doesn't sound like what it is. You're a pilot and a co-pilot. I guess that's a Sky Team. You're a team in the sky. What, what else would it be? <laughs> I mean, the Sky Team seems like a superhero group to me that's like oh. flying around like through space no, or no, whatever no, else. Peter, that, that's Sky High, the excellent, I don't know if it's excellent. I've only seen like half of it, but the uh, superhero school movie with, I think like Kurt Russell is in it. So somebody in the chat, tell me if Kurt Russell is in Sky High. Help me out here. Yeah, but um, Sky Team's super fun. It's a two-player only co-op. It's a limited communication game, although... I think we cheat a lot 
because I play with my son, and there's definitely lots of facial expressions or, dude, you needed to use the intern on that turn. Like, oh, oh, that kind of cheating. My yeah, yeah. seven-year-old, I would like be like, I would look at him and like his hands are fidgeting behind the screen. I'd be like, Colin, are you changing your dice? Oh, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> we definitely did not cheat that way. But we would definitely like give each other evil stares when they put the dice in the wrong place. And then they'd like pull the dice back and like look again <laughs> and like put it somewhere else so it wasn't exactly communication but it was like i am not taking my turn until you take that back buddy like no way <laughs> yeah there, there were definitely moments like that so uh but you're landing a plane it's a dice placement game basically each of you has four dice you're rolling behind your screen each of you are going to put one dice down and you need to work in concert at least in two of the areas you need to work in concert one is your speed and the other one is like the tilt of the plane from side to side so the, to figure out the tilt you just put one dice on each side one each person's putting one in if the numbers match then the plane stays on the same tilt that it was before if one is higher than the other then it's going to tilt the plane is going to tilt toward that you can't tilt too far or you're going to lose right away the the way the speed works is you basically have a threshold that you are constantly changing throughout the game but to move either zero one or two spaces and so you have to work in concert there it's like okay we really want to move two spaces this turn but like you know, you have to do discuss that ahead of time, then you roll your dice, and then it's all just not simultaneous placing, but one after the other placing back and forth until you finish the round. But then, you know, other things could come up or your dice may not cooperate, but there's plenty of mitigation there. There's re-rolls. You could get coffee, which lets you add or subtract from a dice. So, uh, yeah, Sky Team, I've been having a super fun time with. I've, I'm about halfway through the intermediate missions now. There are advanced missions, and then there's like killer mission there's like three like super tough ones at the end i haven't even looked into that but we've explored most of the mechanics of the game at this point they introduce them kind of slowly to you and you don't use every mechanic in every mission so it's kind of fun just like every airport's different yeah there's more variety in it than i would have imagined i can't wait to review that one that one's probably going to be after 20 strong will be our review after that. So both of these games are coming with me to the hockey tournament I'm going to this weekend. So nice. <laughs> that's how much I like both of them. Yeah, and by the way, there is already, there's like, I think at least two simple variants for Solo for Sky Team on Board Game Geek, like unofficial variants. Um, like I think in one, you roll and place all your dice with the other side unseen and then roll and place theirs. I don't think it's going to be quite as good, but if you really want to play it solo, it it seems like it's pretty simple to try to like fudge together some way to do so. Both my kids like it and my wife likes it, so I have no problem playing it two player as many times as they want. But yeah, solo is like an option, I guess, unofficially. All right. Yeah, I could see that working. I was thinking you randomly pick dice from behind and then you decide where they go one at a time, but you have full knowledge of the rest of your dice, so that wouldn't work. I actually like the place all the blue, then place all the orange option yeah. better. Yeah, I think in some cases it's going to be easier, in some cases it'll be weird, but again, I love the game too, player, but it does seem like the the dice placement is interesting enough in and of itself, and I think it'd be okay to, uh, for solo, especially the harder levels. Yep, no, I agree. Alright, anything else you want to talk about before we get into our history? Nah, I mean, I, I don't even know how long we've gone now with technical issues, so let's just go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's all right. Let's get into the history of the one stop co-op shop. And I guess it starts with the history of Mike and I is really where we should probably start. So Mike and I met at a game store. I mean, it was was love at first sight. It was love at first sight. I think you hit on me, actually. I was just sitting there looking at Battleground Fantasy Warfare stuff. Yes, for sure. 
And then you came up and they're like, oh, you like this game? I like this game too. It was definitely like a can I get your phone number moment as as Mike came up and hit on me. Yeah. If you don't know Battleground Fantasy Warfare, I think it's still like around in some fashion. I have it. It's right over there. I can no, no, see I'm it. I'm talking about like in a purchasable way. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm just um, saying like that's a game I'll never get rid of because that was how we met. Oh, well, I got rid of mine. So I guess I don't like you as much anymore. I might have yours. You you might have gotten rid of it the way you get you rid of what? a lot of your games by giving them to me. So I might have <laughs> all fair. your stuff. That's fair. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a card based like uh, Warhammer fantasy battles game. Basically, like you're moving your units around, trying not to break formation, fighting, range combat, different factions. Yeah, and I I was playing it like kind of unofficial, or maybe it was an, no, I think it was an unofficial solo mode at home, and like wishing I had someone to play it against. And then I was in a game store near me and. Peter and I think a few other people were like talking about the game and like it just bought some stuff for the game. And I was like, I play that game. Like, you know, that that worst stereotype of like awkward gamer coming up to you and your worst nightmare. It's like, oh, my gosh, get away from me. But luckily, uh, we actually hung out. I went to Peter's house for uh, game night and then that kind of became a regular thing. And that was the beginning of our gaming friendship. And then how our our friendship, friendship. (laughs) Well, yeah. And how, how I guess it really progressed is I was working on a game at the time and no one else wanted to help me play test it. Every time I was like, Oh, let's play test. People were like, Nope, not going to do it. And Mike was always game and he definitely helped me. And at one point I go, Mike, I want you to co-design this with me. And so he kind of jumped on board. Now this game has never seen the light of the day, by the way, it has been signed three different times. We have gotten the rights back three different times uh, and it will come back into the story in a little bit. But yeah, so then we started designing together and the game group kind of broke up as I had kids, I think. And then was it when you had kids that you really started designing more or I'm trying to remember. That, that, that sounds like the opposite of how things would have happened, but I guess the timeline might <laughs> match up. <laughs> well, well, honestly, for me, I started designing more when I had kids because I couldn't do game nights anymore, right? So uh, that is what I did to get my gaming fix was I started working on games, tinkering in my spare time. But you're right. It might have been before you had kids that you started working and it, we just sucked you in at that. No, that's right. It was definitely before because Vanessa was working on Salvation Road when you were... Uh, <laughs> when she was pregnant when with she her was, first kid. Yep, when she was pregnant with your first kid. So yes, no. So uh, yeah, so Salvation Road was our first published game. Uh, oh no, did Dark Dealings come out first? No, it was Salvation Road. No, Salvation Road was signed first. I think Dark Dealings yeah, actually... Yeah, Salvation Road definitely came out first. Okay. All right. So Salvation Road came out and Vanessa did all the art for it. And if you don't know, we are starting a board game publishing company. And part of the reason we are called MVP Board Games, it's Mike, Vanessa, and Peter Board Games. Yeah. So that's how we came up with the name of our board game publishing company. Vanessa was going to do all our art and graphic design. Well, I think we found out through that Salvation Road project, not to tell too many tales out of school, but probably working with somebody you live with is not always the best idea uh any anybody that's worked with their spouse in the past has probably figured that out well before us but um it was just hard because any time we needed a deadline met or anything else we're like yelling at mike and mike's like it's not me (laughs) like you know and like then you know he'd have to like talk to vanessa or he didn't have to but you know it was just it was one of those situations where you know it just doesn't necessarily work well to mix business and pleasure especially with a pregnant wife who was doing all the art and graphic design (laughs) out of the goodness and graciousness of her heart i mean we did pay her don't get don't get her or aj did pay her uh but 
Yeah, I mean, it became weird because instead of talking to Vanessa, he would talk to Mike, I think, a lot of times. And like, hey, can you tell Vanessa to like whatever? And it's like, no, dude, like you talk to her. <laughs> like, so, but that was a really good experience, even though the Kickstarter was one of the most stressful times in my life. Yes. And now we're going into it again. It'll be even more stressful because we'll be the actual publishers. So, Yay. Well, hopefully it won't be as stressful because at the beginning, it was just, it was so slow to take off. And we talked about canceling. We talked about restarting it. And literally it was one of those campaigns where we scrapped till the last minute to get the last pledges in to get to hit that bare minimum goal. Now, at this point, Salvation Road has sold out. And actually talking to AJ the other day, kind of bringing things full circle again, we are we do have the rights back for that. So with our own publishing company now, we may bring that one back out, but it will not be in the same form that it came out originally, for sure. We, we've learned a lot since then, but that was the first official game that we brought out together. And I had to check the dates, actually. Salvation Road... <laughs> so both games were a bit more concurrent than I remember. Salvation Road was like early 2015 and then delivered early 2016. And Dark Dealings crowdfunded like late 2015 and delivered middle 2016. So they ended up like delivering like a few months apart from each other. And they also kickstarted in the same year. That was a busy year for us. And then uh, not, not so busy <laughs> Kickstarter-wise for a while after that. Well, and so Dark Dealings was our next game that was... And this does lead into one-stop co-op shop, by the way. That's why we're talking about the. I mean, obviously our friendship, but also, like, you know, we got to know each other. But this game design will have a huge part in the story in a minute. So Dark Dealings was a very different experience, though, right? Like, our goal is 20,000. We blew it out of the water. It was, like, over 80,000 for that first one. It might have been – I thought it was 91, maybe. Yeah, it was 91,000. Yeah, and so – Like, games weren't hitting 100,000 regularly back then. This was, like, the dark ages of Kickstarter. That was, like, a big deal. And especially for a $20 card game, like, that was unheard of back then. Um, Well, I'm sure it wasn't unheard of. I'm sure there were a lot of other games doing it. But, yes, it was was certainly very nice. Yeah, and not something we expected. And so, as you all may have heard or or may not know, Dark Dealings has, again— kind of resurfaced because we did another Kickstarter for it where it was an expansion. So we have made co-op rules for it just recently. There are a thousand copies out there somewhere, but we're trying to figure out how to get them for sale currently. They were with Greater Than Games because Nevermore went out of business. Then Greater Than Games took it. Now they are with Dice Hate Me Games, but he doesn't have them. So I don't think they're in his web store right now. So... It, 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 it's like we didn't even know these thousand games existed literally since the second Kickstarter happened. We had no idea that there were a thousand games of Dark Dealings out there somewhere, but they were. So going with our co-opiness, uh, that game was very not cooperative, but we definitely revisited that recently and we made a co-op variant that we thought was actually really fun. So oh, it's great. I love playing it. <laughs> yeah. So we may put it on board. I mean, I know Kirkman wants to put it on Board Game Geek like with good graphic design and stuff, but I don't know. For those people who do own Dark Dealings, maybe we put it up uh, just a rough like PDF version or like Word document just so people can play it until something does officially come out. So anyway, so that's Dark Dealings. But what that did lead to is us designing more games together in this one game that was signed three times basically led to us having a relationship with Richard Launius. I'm going to kind of skip through this part a little bit. And so we split that one game up into two different games, both of which got signed. 
both of which got turned into cooperative games, although we rethemed one of them and the other one went in a very different direction, um, but signed with two different publishers and we're not going to call any publishers out here. But basically, we were designing cooperative games at this point. Like every like the one game was definitely not cooperative, it was competitive. And well, Lonius wanted to make his version cooperative for sure so that one definitely came out cooperative the other one was still competitive because that's how it was originally designed but then the publisher wanted to make it cooperative so we're like okay we'll make it cooperative and then i turned to mike one day and i'm like you know we play games every week we talk about games every week we're designing games and we're playing games and like making these judgments on these games and like talking about things we're taking from them and lessons we're learning from them i was like Podcasts were getting kind of big at the time. We're like, why don't I, why is like, why don't we just record ourselves and start doing a podcast about this? And our original podcast was called Co-Opcast. All we were doing was kind of reviewing games. The first couple episodes, as most podcasts, were pretty rough, where we were just trying to figure out our formatting. We did uh, three pros and three cons for a while. Then we changed to our top five format. So there was there was definitely some change there at the beginning. But it kind of all came together and, you know, we were like, you know what? We're playing these games anyway. And I remember saying to you at the time, who knows? Maybe we only get 20 episodes out of this because there aren't that many cooperative games. That was the exact same year that Gloomhaven and Spirit Island came out. Literally the year we started. We didn't know this, of course, when we made the co-op cast uh, that those games were going to come out that year. But certainly... Things blew up. Jamie Stegmeyer reached out to us, I believe, in that first year. And he's like, I love your podcast. I'm like, dude, we have 58 downloads. How do you love our podcast? Like, <laughs> like 50 total. We had like five episodes and 50, but Jamie liked it. And so he came on the podcast and talked about his favorite cooperative games. And so it just kind of grew up from there. So you want to grab the next part of the story? Yeah. So I guess kind of the one-stop co-op shop connection was that so Colin I guess had the channel going at that point it was certainly a lot smaller than it is now and it was just him and just doing playthroughs he wasn't really doing reviews I think he would like post reviews on BGG sometimes like written reviews so he what was it was him and Steve heard our podcast and kind of felt they'd like to do a podcast too is that am I remembering that right Peter is that something I mean Steve might still be in the chat but yeah Steve definitely so Colin reached out to us and said, I love your podcast. Great stuff. And we would talk to him pretty regularly. Jason Perez kind of came into the story at this point, too, because he had a creator channel, a uh, Discord channel. Oh, no, it was, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It, what that was, was it? Slack. Slack think, channel. Right? He had a creator channel. So we got to, you know, get to know other creators. And Colin was one of the ones we talked to on a more regular basis. And he really liked what we were doing. And then... I guess Steve reached out to him at some point and said, hey, why don't we make our own one-stop co-op shop podcast? Because we're still co-op cast at the time. And we'll do it every other week from co-op cast. That way, you know, we're not competing with each other. We were every other week. They were going to be every other week. So it's like, oh, so every Sunday you'll have something to listen to. Well, very quickly, we invited them to join co-op cast we're like why are we doing two different feeds we want people to listen to both anyway let's just combine them and make one feed now we did do that under the name co-op cast for a while but then i guess the youtube part of the story is coming in but actually should we throw colin's audio clip in now it's your show buddy (laughs) all right so i'm gonna throw colin's audio clip in and then mike and i'll comment on it and then we'll keep on with the story 
Hello everyone, this is Colin from the One Stop Co-op Shop. You can find I do mostly videos for the One Stop Co-op Shop channel, usually edited and posted there. Uh, my favorite game currently is probably Unsettled. I absolutely love that game, love working with people to try and explore planets and complete small, puzzly objectives. It's one of my favorites. I always want to go back and play it for some reason. And the reason why I love co-op gaming, it's just so fun to work together with people. You've got friends that come to the house and you want to play with them instead of against them. And you can work together to defeat a common enemy or complete a common objective. And at the end, you're high-fiving, having a great time. I absolutely love co-op gaming. It's one of my favorite ways to play games. I love how he ends with, it's one of my favorite ways to play games. As if he didn't dedicate a whole channel to cooperative gaming. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, like the fact that Unsettled is one of his favorite games was a little bit of a surprise to me. Did you know that about Colin, Mike? Did you know that Unsettled was up there for him? I know that he loved it. I, I was certainly surprised in the clip when he said it was his favorite, at least current favorite. But I mean, I probably would have like, I would have uh, pegged it at like top 15 or 20 for him. I really, really enjoy it too, but I haven't played it enough. Uh, I did go all in on the new expansion, so at some point, that I think it's actually pretty close to being done. A lot of Kickstarters are close to being done. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoy Unsettled a lot. I do think it has great puzzliness and a lot of like chances to do like, really cool like combos between the players and such. But yeah, number one definitely surprised me, uh, kind of like you said, Peter. Yeah, but I, I do like what he said about why he likes cooperative games. You know, just having an, an opportunity to play with people, you bring people over to your house, it's a nice way to introduce them to gaming, or if they're casual gamers, you don't have to bring them in and, like, destroy them at your favorite game or whatever. So, yeah, for me, it I, I agree. It is a super fun way to introduce people to gaming, um, as well as just play with your more casual friends. I probably wouldn't introduce my casual friends to Unsettled first, although my, my, my 10-year-old did play it and did pretty well. Nice. All right, I'm not sure why Jerry's clip's not coming up, but we haven't talked about Jerry yet. But we did talk about Steve, so may as well just go right into his clip. What do you think? Sure. This is Steve. You can always find me at the One Stop Co-op Shop stream YouTube channel covering news, live discussions, and cooperative playthroughs. You can occasionally find me on the One Stop Co-op Shop YouTube channel as well, normally with a review. My current favorite game is Spirit Island. I never tire exploring the wide variety of spirits and how each can be built or customized through power drafting to yield a new and interesting gameplay each time. I turn to cooperative gaming due to two factors, avoiding take-that moments which never leave me with good feelings, and the collaborative discussions. Creating plans and strategies has always been enjoyable in games for me, but adding multiple minds to tackle the same problem leads to more unique and surprising results. Yeah, so I think another surprise for me there, like I did not realize Steve's favorite game was Spirit Island. I would have guessed it is Marvel United or Marvel Legendary. He doesn't really talk about Spirit Island nearly as much as he talks about those games, and he certainly doesn't play them as much from what I've seen. All right, well, I'm trying to get Jerry's clip to... Jerry was a friend of mine from college, so I have definitely been gaming with him. He is probably the main reason that I am gaming today. Jerry was part of that group that we played in with. So yeah, I guess he has been part of the story this whole time. We just haven't mentioned him. He was part of that group we played Battleground Fantasy Warfare with. He is, is also, like I said, been one of my best friends for a long time now. So when we were, at, when we were in college, we used to play like spades together all the time. So like hearts, spades, a lot of traditional card games. 
And then we started playing some Warhammer 40k together. Like that is a game that I always wanted to play, but never really got into. Uh, So we played some of that. We played Nuclear War and Nuclear Proliferation. Those are games he introduced me to. So he introduced me to a lot of games. But it wasn't until like we were both in relationships later in our lives. I used to play a lot of video games through college as well. and, And when I was done with college, But when we both got in relationships and neither of our partners liked video games, we kind of turned to board games as a way that we could all bond together and get back at the table together again as well. So, I mean, Jerry is very responsible for me being into board games today. That is for sure. So, yeah, well, before we get into, since you were covering how how the YouTube channel joined with the podcast, we just talked about Jerry. Let's go ahead and add Jerry's audio clip real quick. And then we will get into how the YouTube and podcast joined, and we ended up changing our name and all of that stuff from Co-Opcast to the One Stop Co-Op Shop. But first, here's Jerry. Hello, this is Jerry. You might know me from the occasional stream or convention recap podcast. First off, congratulations to One Stop Co-Op Shop for 400 episodes. That's quite an achievement. Mike and Peter are my regular gaming buddies for over a decade now, and it's been great to see all their hard work pay off. I personally mostly play competitive games, although that has changed a bit due to the channel. My personal favorite game is War of the Ring, which is definitely purely competitive, despite Colin's solo attempts. My favorite co-op is probably Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, but ISS Vanguard is giving it a run for its money. I'm also really looking forward to Tidal Blades 2 and Agamonia. You can check our playthroughs of both on the YouTube streaming channel. The type of co-op I enjoy most are those that have a strong narrative and exploration element, so I gravitate towards dungeon crawls. The dynamic of discovery as a group really scratches my RPG itch. Again, congrats on episode 400, and here's the 400 more. I was kind of surprised by what Jerry said his favorite co-op games were. I guess that just kind of underlines how much he is uh, attracted to, like, intriguing stories and exploring things and such, you know what I mean? Like, in his taste for cooperation. Because I wouldn't say... I would not I would not say Mansions of Madness or Asus Vanguard necessarily like the best of the best cooperative games for me. I enjoy both of those for story, but like actual cooperation between players can sometimes be a little bit minimal in those. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he is definitely a story gamer first. Uh, he, he likes RPGs. Well, I think he's a competitive gamer first. Well, and yes. also a story gamer. Yeah. Like he's, he's euros and RPG ish games. Yeah, for sure. Well, but it's funny because he loves games like great Western trail that we just played this past weekend. Well, that's, that's a Euro I would say. Right. But, there's no story to that, right? I mean, it's well, that's like... What I'm I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that's the it's two like sides of It's like one Jerry. extreme or the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if he wants co-op, it's going to be a story-based co-op. But if he's playing a Euro game, he loves very mechanical games, which is very interesting because my love of mechanics stretches from both Euro to cooperative games. Like, the mechanics yeah. are the thing that attract me much more than the story. Well, that's the same for me, too. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about how the podcast and the YouTube channel merged, because you were a major force in that. Uh, so I wanted to do some reviews. I wanted to kind of dip my fingers, or my, not my fingers, my toes into the YouTube stuff, because Colin was still only doing playthroughs at that point. So I started doing, uh, God, it was like, how many years ago is this? I think it's like six years ago, maybe now. I started doing uh, a review every once in a while. And <laughs> Matt just said, are you kidding? Great Western Trail tells a great story about cows and trains. Hey, the new one that we played, uh, the New Zealand one, that tells a story about sheep instead of cows and shearing. Um, <laughs> I will say, yeah. don't buy the old one, buy the new one. 
Yeah, like, yeah. The I, New Zealand I, I one. Much, I thought New Zealand was great. I, and I, I love the old one. I'm so sad that I bought the new new one because uh, Jerry wasn't going to buy the new new one uh, <laughs> or the new old one. The new 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 one. <laughs> right. But he wasn't going to buy the new Great Western Trail, the new printing of it. And I, I was very happy with how they changed some stuff on the board, stuff like that. I was super excited. So I bought it. That's one of the few games that we both own. But then I played New Zealand this weekend. And I was super sad because that game is so much better than and, and then a game I love. Probably a top 20 game for me for sure. And like, yeah, now I don't even want to play it anymore because New Zealand was so much better. Yes. But yeah, so so I started doing some reviews and then at some point I started doing a few playthroughs. I think it's when I started getting review copies, which was a very slow thing. And I felt very, you know, unsure about and surprised about when it did happen. I was like, what? Do you remember our first review copy? We talked about it already. It was Reckoners. Yep, it was. We were so excited. Reckoners, Deep Madness was one of the first big ones. I remember Street Masters. Deep Madness and Street Masters both seemed like a giant box with like all the Kickstarter stuff. And I was like, what are you all doing? This is so weird. Yeah. (laughs) You know, now like I I get, you know, two or three games every week and I'm like, please stop. Like I'm I'm literally going to be able to be like, hey, don't send me any more games. Okay, please stop. Like it's, 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 it's very interesting to compare back then to now where I'm like buried in games and I'm like, man, this is just a job. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so so I did reviews, and somewhere in there we yeah like once I was on the YouTube channel, we decided that we should just call the podcast a One Stop Co op Shop podcast, just because it would better name recognition. And then I don't know, it's kind of at some point Colin wanted to quit the YouTube channel. That happened first. That happened you when you took over the YouTube channel is yeah. when we merged everything to One Stop Co op Shop. Oh, is that how it happened? Well. When Colin came back, I guess, okay, okay. and then Steve and Jason and Barrett all joined kind of all at the same time. And then we're like, we should just name everything one thing. And that's when the, the podcast got changed over to One Stop Co-op Shop was when we got this like conglomerate together. I mean, all under like the, the YouTube channel was yours at that point. And you had kind of invited everybody onto it because you were the only one doing anything for the channel for a while yeah, um, yeah. I, I took over the channel entirely then colin wanted to come back but only if he never had to do a game <laughs> it's kind of like this a new game agreement. yeah yeah like like he's like what if i just want to play lord of the rings every week and i was like i don't care dude that's fine you know you started the channel people love you i think you're a great guy just come on and do some videos whenever you want yeah and then uh like baron you know he's got me at the table he does a video for us every once in a while like that's pretty infrequent but every once in a while he'll do something like Steve already said, you know, even before the streaming channel, he would like come on to do a review sometimes. Peter does things like Marvel Champion sometimes. Jason, well, we'll, Jay- we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the streaming channel isn't yet in the picture, but Jason is the next one. And uh, the reason I had him next is he was pretty early on in the process. Barrett might have actually come before him chronologically. I think, I think Barrett came, Barrett or Steve, I'm not sure, because Steve was already like clearly in our orbit. So I don't really know when he made the well, jump to doing some video content. Well, yeah, Steve, I had, or we've already gone through Steve. Um, well, sure, he, was, sure. he was early because he was a part of the podcast. Yeah, I think you might be right that Barrett was next, but Jason was such an influential part of how we got together because, again, he's the one who made the Slack channel that introduced Colin and you, and you yeah. might be right because Jason was still doing his other podcast at the time. So, yeah, I'll play Barron's clip next because he was definitely the next one to jump in on the YouTube channel. So let's listen to what Barrett has to say. And gosh, I wish I could play this video. I don't want to do it. But this video is so Barrett. 
It's hilarious. It's just him literally recording. You'll never know from the video, from the audio quality, but like it's literally just him walking around in his basement, like literally scanning his basement with his phone, like as he's like telling this story. It is, it is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. But uh, here's Barrett's audio. Greetings. I'm Barrett, a member of the One Stop Co op Shop. You can also find me over on my channel called Meet Me at the Table. We do co op gaming. Why do I like co op gaming so much? Mainly because as you play through the game, you all get to celebrate the highs and lows together and come to a great, hopefully, <laughs> big victory at the end. My favorite co op games mainly have to do around campaign type concepts. There's so much fun to explore everything a game has to offer. But of course, you can't forget Nemesis. Oh my gosh, that game is so good. Definitely on my top five and will never leave. So there's a few things about me. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. I love Baron's enthusiasm. It doesn't matter what he's talking about, Baron's just always enthusiastic and that's one one of the cool parts about having him as like part of the group like you can always count on him to bring a little bit of an edge to things a little bit of craziness he's actually become a a a friend of ours outside as well he joined a fantasy football league with like it's me all my college buddies including jerry and barrett has now joined that group and he's fit right in so uh barrett's a good guy but he never did tell us his top game. He just talked about I, Nemesis, which is yeah. like, he's like, it's a top five game for me. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you go. I, mean, I know he talks a lot about the uh, old leading edge, like aliens. This time it's war. Nemesis, basically anything that's like vaguely Ridley Scott, like aliens themed is going to be a top game for Barrett. <laughs> Yeah, Matt says Barrett is just so lovable. I agree. He is definitely just a fun guy, uh, and he's just as much fun to be around in person. He is there literally he is. Yeah, that I, same I, chaotic wonderfulness in person, which is – it's awesome. Yeah, I've said this on the Discord and such, but I had not met Colin or Barrett in person until this Gen Con, which was the first one I've gone to. And, yeah, they, they were both – it's a testament to their fun personalities being their actual selves and not like something they put on for the YouTube channels. Absolutely. That they were just the exact same people in person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Matt just said he named his son Ridley. So yeah, he, he, he loves alien and all, all things alien. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't surprise us that nemesis came up. I'm trying to remember if he liked the, uh, cause I know him and Colin were talking about how much they loved the new legendary encounters. But I don't remember uh, if he, the Matrix one, maybe whatever the newest. I think it was Matrix. I think you're right. But I don't remember him ever talking about like Legendary Encounters Alien, which I still think is the best in that series, including Marvel Legendary. Um, I, he did a video that was like his favorite Alien games. And I think it might have been in there, but it wasn't very close to the top. Again, like Nemesis, Leading Edge, Aliens, This Time It's War. Those are, from what I remember, his his top ones of all time. Yeah. All right. So, uh, sorry, I know I keep interrupting. So, yeah. So that, I mean, that kind of led us to almost where we are today, which is, you know, so everybody came in, Barrett, Jason came in at the same time, around the same time. I think Steve came in and started doing videos as well. And close to now, we started doing the streaming channel as well. So the streaming channel hit when COVID hit. I remember this because I was like, I got a lot of free time on my hands. I don't know what to do with myself. We should start streaming. And Mike's like, no, you're not doing that on our main channel. Forget it. It's too chaotic. It's too different from what we're already doing. Like, so we started on Twitch, I think, at first. And then we we realized that, like, you had to download every video and upload it. And our audience was already on YouTube. 
So it was like, it didn't make sense to have two different homes, even though we were going to be two different channels, it made sense to house them both in YouTube. And that's a decision I'm glad we made because we've definitely had publisher interviews on there. All these podcasts end up, I mean, you're, Everybody who's listening to us live right now, we're on the YouTube streaming channel. So it made a lot of sense. We also started doing Extra Life. I know Steve headed that. And so it made sense to do live videos in a way that we could keep them because we had some hilarious moments, certainly during our Extra Life, our time with Extra Life. So yeah, it made sense to do the streaming channel. But before the streaming channel was Jason. So let's go ahead and hear Jason's clip. I'm pretty sure he was trying to be funny with this. So so take it in the context it's meant to be taken in, because I'm pretty sure he's being a, a goofier. Yo, my people's butts up. Jason here from the YouTube channel with playthroughs and occasional review once per week, and also here on the podcast multiple times per week. Congratulations to everyone on the podcast for 400 episodes. Looking forward to being a part of 400 more and beyond. My favorite cooperative game is Pandemic, as loyal watchers and listeners of the show will know. My favorite role to play is The Dispatcher, which plays into the reason I love cooperative games. I love, love, love being the alpha gamer, the quarterback, the person in charge, the person who knows all the moves, knows the game backwards and forwards, and is able to let everybody know what the right moves are in order to achieve ultimate victory. That is especially easy with the dispatcher because it's their job to move players around, make sure they go to the right spots at the right time. I especially enjoy as a player being able to reach across the table into your personal space, manipulate your cards, move your pawns, and make sure that you are having a good old time by ensuring table victory. It is the best aspect of cooperative gaming. Ask anyone. They love the alpha gamer. Unless you get two or more alpha gamers in the same game, that's not going to go very well. But to all my friends out there who are betas, compliant, submissive, who want all choice taken away from them, please be welcome at my table for a game of Pandemic at any time. Yeah, so I I know Jason well enough to know that that is not true at all. He's definitely not an alpha gamer in real life. Yeah. No, I, I think he's playing into the stereotype. I mean, obviously, everybody who's here listening to this podcast, I assume if you're a fan of the one-stop co-op shop, that you definitely like cooperative games and you definitely don't like alpha gaming. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do like alpha gaming. Maybe there is somebody out there that... Well, that- we, we have a lot of solo uh, fans as well. I guess they, they like the alpha game because they're the only one playing. Yes. But yes. Like we, uh, Jason was uh, down recently for his birthday. Like we were all celebrating it in gaming, and yes, I played a lot of games with him. He's definitely not an alpha gamer. <laughs> he's no, very if, much a. <laughs> if anything, I think he's like he enjoys like support roles. And, exactly, like, roles I was about to say you look cool. You know, he's, he's yep. a lot like Steve in that way that he like wants to be the medic and the and the helper and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to compare him to. I think he and Steve are very similar in the fact that they want to be supporting characters and classes and things like that and make you look good. Because we were playing that um, Genshin Impact game, oh, and yeah. he, like, like whenever – look, whenever I play Marvel Champions, anybody who's seen our stream knows 
Like I always take all the good stuff for me and I'm like, hey, Terrence, why don't you throw me your helicarrier or whatever this turn? So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a taker when it comes to that stuff. Jason was definitely handing it out. He's like, yeah, who needs help with this? Who needs help there? So uh, yeah, no, that is the exact opposite of Jason's personality. But I, I thought it was pretty funny. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's joking there. That, that, listening to it again, I definitely know he's joking. because Well, is- I will say the Pandemic is actually his favorite game series of all time. So that yes. part's real at least. Yes, yes. But I don't think he, well, maybe he does like the dispatcher because again it could be hey where do you want to move not i'm gonna grab your stuff and move well, you right i was I gonna go. say the dispatcher is a very supportive role and is not an alpha gamer role i would say in most cases so yeah <laughs> yes but uh yeah so that was jason's clip that i thought that was pretty funny so yeah i i mean we're getting up to about an hour now probably by the time this is edited down maybe it's 45 minutes but, I was uh, going to say it'll be like 20 minutes if you take out all the Mike loses his audio and has <laughs> to wait to come back uh, moments. <laughs> yeah. So, but let's get into the streaming channel. We have a couple more guests that are joining us. So I think the first of those guests was Kim, who is Steve's wife. She joined him doing live streams. And then we'll get into Terrence, who joined me playing Marvel Champions on Friday night and probably is the reason that it is one of my top, if not my top, co-op games at this point. So let's go ahead and hear from Kim and what she likes about co-op gaming. Hi, I'm Kim. I play games with Steve on the one-stop co-op shop streamed channel. My favorite game is probably Marvel United because it's easy to get to the table, just about anybody can play it, and there's more to it than meets the eye. But I also really like Ares Expedition. I love co-op gaming because for me, it's more fun to have a common goal and still be able to give my team members, mainly Steve, a hard time. And plus, for better or for worse, I ended up marrying a man who lives for board games and loves to share in his hobby. So here I am, and I'm very happy that he brought me into the fold. I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone say they like cooperative games because they like to give their partner a hard time. Who knows? Maybe that is the uh, the alpha gaming uh, <laughs> side of things. I, I don't know. But I mean, that's a, certainly a very personal relationship, right? Obviously, husband and wife getting to play games together. But I do think it's funny that she likes cooperative games because she can give somebody a hard time, which competitive games are known for. But I, I think maybe that's how they maintain their love and their relationship is, uh, <laughs> you know, there's only so many limits that you can... Uh, take it to when you are well, and, and fighting I know for the same side. experience i know it's steve's an interesting gamer to game with sometimes because he'll be like he'll try goofy strategies and like weird things and i know like uh, when him he and kim play marvel united he'll like try odd scenarios and odd character combos because he he very like much likes to tinker you know and play around with the boundaries of games and house rule things and like kind of see how he can uh, experiment and engineer the experience so, yes, I think Kim has to get back at him for some of that. <laughs> yes. Know? Well, it's like Terrence. It's only for her survival and her own sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. But Ares Expedition is an interesting one because I think they were playing Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, if you don't know. It's a very different game than regular Terraforming Mars. It actually kind of shares DNA with Race for the Galaxy, where you're picking a phase each round and you're you're all doing that phase. It was a competitive year to start with. And they did have a cooperative and solo game originally and that's when they were streaming it and that's when they were showing off so i think she even liked that original co-op mode which neither you or i were too fond of but uh yeah i'm sure now that the co-op expansion came out i'm sure that's really increased her joy for the game i don't i, just... well, I feel like i feel like uh steve and her got so attached to like because they had like house rule the original co-op so i think they might be still be playing that more i think they actually didn't love 
you know how it is. Like if you've kind of gotten used to something and made it your own, maybe like a new expansion actually like goes against that in some ways. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So that, that's a good one though. I mean, I, I like that we are getting some diversity here because it seems like there were, you know, we went with Barrett and Colin in a row. There were a lot of Euro gamers or, or I mean, dungeon crawlers, not definitely not Euro gamers. Now we got, you know, Jerry in there and Steve and Kim and Jason more with the, you know, Euro side of, of cooperative mm-hmm. games. So I, I think, you know, as a group, that's part of the reason people still want to listen to all of us because we do come from different backgrounds and different tastes, things like that. So Terrence streams with me on Friday nights. We do stream live Marvel champions. And again, this all started during the pandemic. So we're, we're up to the pandemic now after we go through Terrence's clip though, we'll qu- quickly wrap up because not much has changed since then. So we'll go through Terrence real quick. He definitely likes constructing decks. So any game that lets you construct a deck is definitely his thing. But like I said, without him, I don't think I'd have the love I do for Marvel Champions because he's basically forced me to play it for two and a half, three years straight at this point. So uh, I definitely would not have played Marvel Champions nearly as much as it wasn't for Terrence. And uh, I thank him for it. So here's Terrence. Hi, I'm Terrence. I stream Marvel Champions mostly with Peter, sometimes other card games on Fridays every week. And uh, you can find me on the Discord as home, mostly lurking in the FG LCG channel. My favorite game is Lord of the Rings The Living Card Game by Fancy Flight Games. And my favorite thing about cooperative games is just the ability to interact and discuss and kind of coordinate things uh, together with other people and being able to surmount insurmountable odds. So the last thing he said there was, I love being able to surmount insurmountable odds. And I feel like that explains Lord of the Rings, the card game, to a T. (laughs) And it explains so much why he likes that game. Uh, And if you've ever watched our Friday Marvel streams, he does like discussing and coming up with together. It's definitely more of a, a group experience. He likes that when trying to overcome odds. He definitely likes discussing it, talking through all the different possible options and coming up with something together. He's definitely a very cooperative gamer, I would say, which is interesting because he's playing with me who just (laughs) slaps things together and like hopes for the best and crosses my fingers. So uh, yeah, at times I know I definitely get to the point where I'm like, all right, Terrence, just do something. Uh, (laughs) And so it it does make for a very interesting uh, dynamic sometimes with our Friday streams. It also makes for some very long games sometimes. So, But we have (laughs) some nice short ones over there as well. But if you like hearing cooperation and discussion, I mean, I don't think there's any better place probably on the internet to hear people discussing and really coming up with a plan together. I mean, it really shows how cooperative some of these games can be when you're really coming up with a plan as a group. And I think Terrence does that very well. Yeah, I mean, I clearly have not played with uh, him nearly as much as you have, but certainly from talking to him on the Discord, I just know how much he loves to like dig into the meta of a game. Or not not really the meta, that's not the right word. Because meta, I think, is more applicable to like competitive CCGs and LCGs and that kind of thing. But digging into like the card pool, the combos, how new expansions yep. are going to change that stuff. And then also like the very tactical card play during your turn once you've built your deck. Like as much as Terrence loves games where you construct your deck, I think, you know, I've never talked to him about something like Magic the Gathering, but I, I feel like in, you know, at least as much as I've played Magic the Gathering like competitively and uh, over the years, 
I feel like in magic, a lot of times, like when you build a great deck, you kind of know exactly what you're doing with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yep. you're going to play your cards in a very similar way. I mean, there are choices to be made, of course, and like sideboarding and stuff. But yeah, whereas I feel like Terrence really wants, even when he's built a great deck, he wants to make interesting and compelling turn to turn choices. And it's not like going to be an obvious thing every single, uh, every single minute and every single turn and every single play. But ironically, he doesn't like competitive games at all. So, yeah. so yeah, no, he wouldn't like something like Magic. Um, I've tried to get him to play things like Keyforge, and he doesn't really have much interest in it because it's competitive, even though I think he'd find the card combinations very interesting mm-hmm. and the mechanisms very interesting. He doesn't necessarily love competitive games. Yeah. So that takes us to the streaming channel, which is now why we have a podcast, the streaming channel and a main channel uh, for for the uh, hosting all of our hosts. I mean, we just have a lot of people at this point. But I guess that also leads into nowadays where you and I have not only continued designing games all this time, we haven't had a lot of games released since we've worked on the YouTube channel. The only one I think is Mega Man Adventures, right? Yep. And that's, it's finally like, seems to be getting out there in a good way. So fingers crossed that keeps on going. But yes. Uh, yeah, I think Kess said they're going to get it into 150 different Barnes & Noble stores. Uh, I remember it hit barnesandnoble.com for one day. It was immediately a bestseller. And then it was not even available the next day. So I don't know if they got like 20 copies and sold out in like two minutes or what. But uh, it definitely went from not on there to bestseller to not available in one day. I, I do know that. <laughs> but I have no idea how many copies they sold because, I mean, let's be honest, the original company that put that game out has not paid us for anything that uh, that game has done at this point. We don't need to mention them. They're, yes. We're very happy that Kess is fully in charge of the game now and nobody else is involved. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, leading into the, you know, where we are now, that's why, um, so Mike and I have had several experiences with publishers over the years. We've talked about them on several different podcasts. Uh, some better than others, obviously, but we've designed a lot of games in the last few years. Not as many, certainly, as when we weren't doing the podcast and the YouTube channel. But a lot of those games ended up coming back to us. And so at, at some point, we just got frustrated and said, you know what? We're just going to do this on our own. So that leads us to where we are now and the formation of MVP Board Games, which is been around for over 10 years. We actually, that was all our contracts even from salvation road all our paychecks were sent or paychecks royalty checks were sent to mvp board games so we've had we've been under this like llc for a long time we just hadn't used it until now and so now we've uh decided to start publishing our own games our first game is going to be flame and fang which is coming in october of this year to kickstarter so just a little over a month away at this point so we're super excited about it super excited how it came out in all honesty, we formed the company to make a different game, Fair Parts, which people still ask us about to this day. So hopefully that will be coming in the near future, which probably means two years at least. But, you know, it's funny because we're like, well, we just need a game to experiment with, something smaller or whatever. I think Flame and Fang got a little bit bigger than we thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> but because we just were loving playing it and enjoying it so much kind of made us forget about spare parts for a while, honestly, because we just had so much fun playing it and experimenting with it. And it was definitely a COVID game. Also, that was the other thing I was doing in my spare time. I was streaming and uh, started working on flame and fang during the pandemic. And so, yeah, it was kind of a 
I love dragons. That is something I've always loved. I love Keyforge. That like those mechanisms in Keyforge, I just love how they work. And those two seem to mesh in my mind. And then Mike kind of took over and made it a very good game. Like I, I, I started with those two concepts, and Mike really, you know, added all the special sauce to it. And it's to a game that we've made a lot of games, and that's one. You know, after a while, you get tired of playing even your own games. Flame and Fang is just one I always have been having fun going back to you now. So uh, yeah, I'm super excited about this Kickstarter coming because I can't wait for other people to get it in their hands too and uh, and experience the joy that, that we've been experiencing with it. Yep. Here's to the future. Yes, and, and Matt Lita said, uh, Flame and Fang is a themeless Euro. Absolutely, Matt. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just pledge on the Kickstarter real quick when it's live in October. Don't read the page. Just trust me. Totally themeless Euro. We thank you for your support, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, one of the things we're most proud of is the story deck in it, (laughs) which... The the non-totally non-thematic story deck. Right. (laughs) And and campaign narrative of Euro-ness. Right. (laughs) But anybody who knows me knows I don't love very long narratives, so we definitely kept it brief to the point, but, uh, you know, where you get to create the narrative or, or at least be part of the narrative you're you're living it which is kind of neat um we I, I think we did a real good job making that narrative come to life in in just a very few cards um which made me happy but anyway that this is not a celebration of mvp board games it's more of a it's just on our mind because that is literally what we were doing last night what we do every week that you, anytime you don't see us podcasting or streaming or whatever that is usually what we are doing so uh yeah yeah, that is definitely on our mind. And so, uh, and it's it's part of the history of One Stop Co-op Shop, right? Because part of the reason we started this, the podcast to begin with, was because we were talking about games, we we're playing games all the time anyway, and we wanted to become better designers. We wanted to do that by playing other people's games, figuring out things we liked about them, things we didn't like about them, take the best parts and make them part of our design process and part of our games. And fix the stuff we didn't like in them. So that that really is why we started this. It was a design journey for us that turned into so much more. And who would have thought 400 episodes of the podcast later, like 41,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel later? Like, yeah, nobody would have thought it would have become what it has become. Um, certainly we wouldn't have when we first started. That is for and, sure. And every day my wife is so thankful. <laughs> Yeah, well, we are definitely going to have to find a way to earn earn all of us some time back. Um, that is something we've been talking about lately. So, you know, not saying that episode 400 is our final. This is not a retrospective, but it is a, you know, we're going to have to find some time somewhere, especially when you go back to work full time. You know, obviously your teacher oh, not I'm, working I'm back, over dude. the summer. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's going to have to be time because we are going to have to put some time into the Kickstarter, into MVP board games because we want that to be successful. We think we have two really great games. are going to be our first two games coming out. So we're super excited about that. So, yeah, we got to find time somewhere. So that's something you and I have definitely been talking about lately. Uh, but again, we're not going anywhere yet. And hopefully not anytime soon. That is not the plan. But anyway, oh, Thank you, Matthew Rose, Peter and Mike. I am an idiot. I don't know why he said that, but thank you for um, your donation, your super chat. We appreciate that. You know, that's one thing we don't get a lot of. So uh, when we get them, I am very appreciative. So Matthew Rose, you are our Patreon supporter of the day. 
or at least super chatter of the day that I will specifically shout out here on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I mean, anytime we're doing a live recording, you know, you want a super chat, we will definitely shout you out. So thank you, Matt. This is for Peter and Mike. I am an idiot. I don't know. Did, did you catch why he put he was an idiot? Was there something above that I missed? No. All right. He just wanted to shout out that he's an idiot. Well, Matthew, now everybody knows. Oh, wait. I mean, he did say hi to Steve, and I don't think Steve's in the chat anymore. So maybe oh. that's why. <laughs> gotcha. Either way, hey, uh, more more idiots. You know, we're all idiots sometimes. P- Peter was an idiot many times in the podcast as I could not maintain any audio fidelity for more than... Actually, it's been pretty good at the end. So thanks, Peter. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the one thing I do want to end with, because unless you have any more to talk about the history of One Stop Call-Up Shop, where you're at now mentally, where you... I mean, like- should, we, should we each name a favorite game real quick? Oh, yeah. And you know what I wanted to do also? And, and this will take a little bit of time, but not much. I want to, and, and I meant to do tell everybody who did an audio clip, but I guess I'm glad an hour in now, plus that I didn't do it. But uh, why don't we talk about a favorite game we have, and then a fun fact that we don't think people know about us. You know, one of those stupid, like, get-to-know-you games. So I guess I can start. I'm not going to do Marvel Champions. People know that. I'm not going to do Gaia Project. People know that. So one of my favorite games of all time is Blood Bowl. I don't think people know that. And that is a game I've enjoyed over the years. I played well over a thousand games of it. I know because a lot of my games have been digital. So I guess this is a little bit of a cheat as a board game. But uh, there was something called Fumble, F-U-M-B-B-L. I think it's still around now, where I had logged over 1,700 games of Blood Bowl on it. And it just shows my... Well, and actually, I'm going to name another one to go along with it, which Blood Bowl... Probably was one of my favorite games at one point, but I think it translated into Summoner Wars, which is a uh, a competitive game also. So Fumble is a football game of fantasy football, quote unquote fantasy football, where you're orcs, elves, goblins, whatever. I just love the theme for that game. I love American football and I love fantasy and putting those two things together was very cool. Not only that, but it's also a very tactical puzzle game where you're really trying to, yes, you're relying on luck and dice rolls, but you're also really relying on strategy, moving around, figuring out the best lines, things like that. So just my love of sports and my love of, you know, a little bit of randomness in there, a little bit of chaos, but also like leveling up characters. That was one of my favorite parts of the game. Certainly you need to play a league to do that, but it's just a lot in there. And I think it really fueled my love of tactical games. And that follows through with Summoner Wars. Summoner Wars for me is almost a perfect game because it's like 30 minutes and every faction is completely different. So that leads to my love of asymmetry as well, or leans into my love of asymmetry where, you know, every game you're playing one faction versus a different one, but they're all going to, Every faction plays so completely differently, and so they've really just even improved it with the second edition now, and it's just a small deck of cards, so it's very affordable, too. You can get two factions and play it, and not a lot of people play it this way, but I really love the 2v2 games as well, where mm-hmm. you you and a friend are playing against somebody else and their friends, so that's a competitive game, I know, but... um Definitely one of my favorites. I mean, you guys know I love Marvel Champions. You know I love Gaia Project for solo uh, and for co-op or competitive as well. But that's one I, I don't know if many people know that are one of my favorite games. Um, Keyforge I talk about all the time, too. So that's a little bit out of the blue. Uh, let me think of my interesting fact while you talk about one of your favorite games. 
Yeah, so people know Arkham Horror LCG is usually my number one. Uh, Spirit Island is up there. Too Many Bones, uh, Bullet. Uh, I have well, a lot Bullet's of favorites. a good one. Code yeah. names are, uh, or uh, Just One for like some kind of lighter party games or So Clover. Uh, but yeah, so one I'll mention that's a favorite. It, it's, it's apropos because it's on uh, uh, Kickstarter again right now. And that's the uh, Exceed fighting system, which I have an unofficial solo mode I designed for it. And right now they have Guilty Gear Strive. So it's based on the Guilty Gear uh, fighting video game franchise. And yeah, I just I just love that game. I love Summoner Wars too, like Peter just said. But that's another one that's like oh, consistently 15 to 30 minutes. My 10-year-old and my 7-year-old enjoy it. We've been playing with the uh, the two demo Guilty Gear decks that they're sending out for free. I played. Uh, so I brought some other characters from previous seasons and fought them with my solo bot. Just consistent tension, consistent fun, and again, just a ton of cool decisions and awesome moments in a very short amount of time. So even though it's not cooperative, <laughs> it's uh, I guess Peter picked one that wasn't cooperative either. It is one of my my favorites that I, I do talk about a decent bit, but certainly not as much as something like Arkham Horror LCG, which is again my my number one. Yeah, well, I think we talk about our favorite games so much on here, especially on the podcast, that I felt like going a little outside the box was probably appropriate for this. Certainly, sure. if you could ask me my favorite, it's going to be between Gaia Project and Marvel Champions. The Mind mm-hmm. is certainly up there as well. I haven't talked about that one in a while, but yeah. it still comes out every once in a while, which is fun. So we got Lookwater Gaming says, football more than hockey? I like both of them. Hockey was really hard to watch for a very long time when ESPN dropped the contract for it. So I had to watch something. So uh, it became American football. So I feel I like watched... you talk about hockey more than football, at least to me. Well, because my daughter plays hockey now, it and and hockey now that I can see it. So e- hockey's just around more of the year too. Like it starts right after football season. And it goes through the spring. Uh, I mean, so hockey is a way longer season. And especially when your team's better uh, than your football team, who's usually out by the end of December. Uh, I you, Really usually out by like middle of October as far as like truly having any chance of making the playoffs. Although, so- hey, I, I usually don't know anything about football, but I heard like something that like the Jets like signed a quarterback who's supposed to be good or something. I, I, yeah. I know I sound like an idiot right now. Yes, so Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers, that's his name. Yep, he's won the league MVP two of the last three years. I am a New York Jets fan, which is hard to uh, to live life as for (laughs) for much of my years. But you know, hopefully, at least the next couple years are going to be fun to watch. Whether they win anything or not is up to the fates, of course. But it'll at least be interesting to watch because there were certainly some years over the last couple years, and that's probably also since I've been streaming, the Jets have been awful like super bad awful so and the islanders have been going into the playoffs and making it pretty deep runs every year so that plays a part in it too right but ever since my daughter started playing hockey i mean it rekindled my love of the game i never played football i mean i played in the street growing up but i never actually played played football where i used to play competitive hockey so you know hockey has always been there for me but as far as sports you know people who play a sport tend to watch other sports and like, Oh, that's really cool. I wish I could have done that or whatever else. I think that's what football always was for me. But my interesting fact, let's keep on the sports kick is I actually won a bowling scholarship. So I I won. It was basically a tournament. I won a Brunswick bowling scholarship. So 
I got all of $500, which, you know, was not nothing. But yeah, no, I used to actually be a very good bowler. I averaged like 214 for a while. So I thought about becoming a professional bowler and then realized I didn't want to live in a van. (laughs) I mean, I could do like a billion interesting facts from school, my school life, which does not get talked about almost at all on here. But uh, one I'll share is that many years ago, I started a ongoing event at my school like every month where we would do a karaoke event we would have like uh, over 100 sometimes 200 students cram into like this uh, amphitheater area we have and i'd be the mc and i'd bring students up and they would sing and everyone would sing along and it was great and we've done that kind of off and on covid clearly killed that for a little while but we're going to try to bring it back this year uh kind of with more of a focus on fun and mental wellness and just like kind of enjoying each other's company so uh yeah that's that's a I, I ran karaoke events at my school. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> That's my fun fact for today. <laughs> See, if I put my fun fact is I like karaoke, nobody would have batted an eye at that since I sing during half my streams, it feels sure. like. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I do like karaoke, although I, I'm well aware that I'm not a good singer. I just enjoy the just doing it and making a fool of myself. And I don't know. I think it's part of just getting out of your comfort zone. I think it's good for that. And just saying, you know what? Don't take life too seriously. doesn't matter that much. You know, whether you're good at something or not, just do your best and people will enjoy it with you or make fun of you. Either way, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, how about just, uh, I know we said we're getting into a whole design discussion, but we have 400 episodes worth of, well, not really, because we didn't do design discussions on all of them. But I know we wanted to have a discussion about just a recent breakthrough we had at Gen Con this year about simultaneous play. So why don't we have that discussion here? Yeah, let's go fast, though, because I'm I'm on fumes right now. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so uh, so I think we, we mentioned this a bit in the Gen Con episode, so some of you might have already heard this, but we were big proponents, big proponents of fully simultaneous play, even in games that traditionally would not have had it. Well, what do you think put us there? I know playing Spirit Island, of course, was a big inspiration. The Reckoners was the first one. The Reckoners was another one that was fully simultaneous. And I was like, wow, this is great. And those are both games that do fully simultaneous play in a really nice way, I would argue. Tales Um, from the Red Dragon Inn also, because you're involved in everybody's turn. You you, you mean uh, Battle for Greyport. Battle for Greyport. I'm sorry. Yes, not Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Battle for Greyport. That's not simultaneous, but you're all, yeah, you can play cards in everybody's turn. Uh, actually, a recent one, Genshin Impact, I think, uh, or Genshin Tarot, that's the card game, does simultaneous play in a wonderful way because it, it's kind of more Spirit Island-ish in that you can spend about, especially like when you're first starting out, you can spend like 80% of your attention or even 90% of your attention on your part of the board, but then you can sometimes help somebody else out. That's very much how Genshin Tarot does it too. Yep. So I think that's a really successful way to do simultaneous but yeah, so the funny thing is, we were such big proponents of simultaneous play that we got other people to like make games simultaneous in some ways. Uh, Street the, Masters? The big, yeah, the big one being like we talked to uh, Brady and Adam Sadler so much about it and kind of got them on our like our, our side of the fence that uh, I think we helped like inspire them to make an official simultaneous like mode in Street Masters. I feel like some of the other games... And then we've seen in some other games recently. Uh, to be fair, I actually think it was pretty decent in their superhero yeah, yeah. one. Oh, yes. In Hour of Need. I think it worked pretty well. But yeah, so long story short, uh, around like a little bit before Gen Con and then through Gen Con and then our own work on uh, Flame and Fang, our upcoming game in October. 
we realize that we don't like simultaneous in some situations and we do like it in others. So Peter, why don't you talk a bit more about that? And and I think this is a player preference thing also. But what we l- saw through playtesting, and this wasn't just through Flame and Fang, it was all through spare parts, which we were going to do completely simultaneously. We noticed there would be slowdowns at times where people were not necessarily discussing strategy and tactics, but more discussing who was going to take the next action. When Mike and I played, or when Mike and I played with people who enjoyed those games and got into those games, the discussion would often be, okay, hey, can somebody help me move this so I can do this so you can do this? And it was really cool. But for people who weren't as into it, and it was about half of our playtest groups, honestly, I feel like, then it would bog down into these trivial conversations that didn't really mean anything. Because honestly, 90% of the time it didn't matter. And that's part of the reason we were so into simultaneous. It's like, well, 90% of the time, similar to Spirit Island, you're not going to interact with each other. So it doesn't matter. And only really do we want people to have those really neat conversations when they are influencing each other's turn. But then, again, we played with enough people that just, not necessarily the game bombed, they really enjoyed what they were doing, but they didn't enjoy those discussions, and we could just tell it was slowing the game down. So what we realized, at least for Flame and Fang, is that if we gave people micro-actions, instead of like, I mean, think of a card game. Imagine if Marvel Champions, you could do one action, either flip your hero over, or play a card or do whatever else rather than one person taking all their actions in a row. And, and the, the benefits of simultaneous still hold up with this micro action thing. The benefit, the big benefit for me is it doesn't feel like it's forever before you get to do anything again. You're constantly involved in the game. And I think that is still holds true for simultaneous as well as for what we discovered, micro-actions works really well, too. And one of the benefits of micro-actions, so again, you play one dice, you play one card, you do one thing. One of the benefits of that is that you're never asking the question, who's going next? And it does create some situations where it's like, oh, I really wanted you to go before me. And in the past, it's like, okay, well, you know, with simultaneous, like, okay, you go before me. But now I think it leads to interesting other tactics in games. How do you stall? How do you do something like even another micro action? Like, how do you make it work? Can you not do what you were about to do and do this other thing to help me first instead, and then do the other thing you were going to do? So I think it is leading to different strategic puzzles and ones that are very interesting where you don't just have the freedom to do whatever you want. I think sometimes that limitations leads to better puzzles and better gameplay as well. Yeah, and I mean, just to kind of echo what Peter said, I think we have become more nuanced in our love of simultaneous play because pretty much all the games we said at first, again, more recently, Genshin Tarot and back in the day, The Reckoners, uh, Spirit Island, those are games where, like, it's actually simultaneous. And that is something we didn't necessarily recognize, but that is different than games that kind of demand that each action be fully resolved before the next action happens. So they really have a limitation in the turn structure, but then they give you a free form structure to those actions where anyone can take the next one. That's where, yeah, sometimes the, (laughs) a game that like by rights with the actual mechanics and the actual actions you're taking should take like an hour. becomes a two hour game just because of discussion. And, 
even Greyport can fall into that sometimes. Like that is a game that takes a lot longer than you would think it would. Battle for Greyport, a uh, deck builder. It takes longer than you would think it would because there's a lot of conversations. But at least in Greyport, there's more of a structure because one player is the leader and that player has to play some cards. And it's really just like, hey, who can help me? And you'll throw some things in. So, so that's. But like I find why- the the leader actually tends to play the least cards most of the time because they've helped other people so much. It's like if you use your hero to help me, I'll use my hero on your turn. So it almost seems like the last leader tends to do the most work for the next player because they're the one with the fresh set, fresh hand of cards, oh, right? Sure, sure, sure. So, so I actually, while that's true that the the person who's turned it is does have to play at least one hero, I do find that they're usually pretty low on cards, depending on player count, of course, and they don't really have these super powerful actions, where it's really the person before them is the one who's doing most of the heavy lifting. I'm just saying that, like we're saying for Flame and Fang, I think this, just for anybody out there who has been led by Peter and Mike of the past into thinking that like everything should be like freeform actions (laughs) and simultaneous, you know, I think if your game has characters doing their own stuff a lot of the time, Try out simultaneous. Maybe it'll be great. If your game has a core structure that is still leading players in a systematic way, you know, like Greyport having turns, you know, or like what we've done with Flame and Fang, where it's like little micro actions, then you can like play around with like some interlocking out, you know, or a Marvel United, I would say, is kind of similar to what we've done with Flame and Fang, right? Because you're you're playing cards that don't do a ton of stuff but they locked what other characters did to let you do a little bit more. And it's like an interesting choice every turn of which card to play, even though it's a pretty like quick thing. It doesn't like have a huge impact necessarily for each card play. Yeah. But I, I guess my, my new, at least for my new preferences and desires, I would be cautious of for like games that have actions that can sometimes take a little while, <laughs> you know, to then just be like, Hey, who wants to go next? Especially here's the biggest thing. Like, at least in Battle for Greyport, I think every card play can be important. And every damage you do can be vital to whether you defeat an enemy or not before they do something really bad to you and hurt you a lot. You know what I mean? Some of these games that, and even like Flame and Fang, when we first did it, like, if, if your players are discussing who should take the next action, but then their action is like the most inconsequential action ever, and that happens like five or ten times around you might want to reevaluate how your game is working. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like at that point, if you're, if you're wasting a ton of table talk and I say wasting purposefully here, if you're wasting a ton of table talk when nothing impactful and thoughtful and interesting actually comes out of it, except for like the most basic, like I'm going to move two spaces kind of thing. You might want to like limit the communication in some way or go away from a simultaneous and just try out a basic turn structure just uh, that's kind of my evolved uh, thought on the, the whole the, process now. The one thing I'll say about micro actions, the place where that can bog down is if you have one player that's not really sure of what's going on or one player that is playing at a different speed than everyone else, because it hurts in multiple ways because that player will slow things down to the point where everybody else already knows what they're going to do next. Right. So then they finally get their action down and do that micro action, which, again, everybody's supposed to be doing these quick actions. And then next player's like, okay, okay, I'm doing this. And they're done. Next player's like, all right, I'm doing this. And now it's back to that same first player who took a while to come up with their decision, and they haven't had any thinking time. So I do think that there could be 
issues, even with a micro action. I, I don't think there is a perfect system for yeah. ev- every group. So I will say, I do think simultaneous has advantages of, yeah, maybe I got to wait two or three minutes for you, but at least I got all the stuff done that I was going to do anyway. And now I can go get a drink or whatever else. I'm not like, oh, wait, it's my turn again. All right. I I, got to come back and do these two or three things. Right. So I I do, I'm not as far down the rabbit hole as you are, as far as saying, I don't think there's a place for simultaneous versus this. I don't think these micro actions are necessarily a better system. I just think it's a different way of doing it. I do think that they create more interesting decisions, but it's also pain points, right? For some people, that could be a negative. It's like, oh, I wish I could just go in whatever order I wanted. And then like, we could always, you know, do the best stuff and make people happy. And certainly you want to do that in games. You want people to feel powerful and to feel good. I think as long as you give people enough outs and enough different stuff they can do and enough ways to quote unquote waste actions, I, I do think that is a way to solve this problem as well, though, is is give people stuff to do that isn't necessarily it's like almost a pass action, even though they're not actually able to pass. All right, well, let's call it there so Mike doesn't fall asleep on camera. (laughs) Nice. Well, there was a lot of talk out there about uh, karaoke and everybody's favorite karaoke song. I love the chat we had today. I I know we had a lot to cover, so I'm sorry we didn't get to interact as much. But uh, definitely appreciate it. Appreciate all of you for coming out and supporting us through 400 episodes. To all the Patreons we shouted out at the beginning of the episode, to all the patrons that we have not, or we shouted out in one of the previous 400 episodes, we appreciate all of you, and especially today to Matthew Rose, who put in a super chat. Thank you as well. We definitely appreciate everything everybody has done for us, whether, again, as Mike always says, it's thumbing a video, sending a like out. You know, these things don't cost you anything. But you have no idea how much joy they bring to us when we see like the thumbs, the likes, people watching our videos, people telling their friends about our channel. Like all of that stuff helps and it's it, it makes us feel good. You know, it, it keeps us going as well because, you know, we uh, we all have a lot of stuff we could be doing, but a lot of our time we're spending to, you know, choosing to spend with everybody here and no regrets. Right. I, I've enjoyed all 400 episodes, even though I wasn't on all of them. I've definitely listened to every episode of our podcast. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been a fun thing. And thanks for being part of it with me, Mike. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for being with me too, brother. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Down, down, down in a burning ring of fire. <laughs> what? Is that your karaoke? That well, that was karaoke, but I was trying to like what's a flame song? Like I was trying to think of like a oh. flame. Like I was trying to chime it into dragons. How about Puff the Magic Dragon? Uh, lives like by the sea. You you were fine with the first one. Yeah, there's not many other dragon songs out there, is there, huh? The last dragon. That's a good one. You are the oh, last dragon. That was not about dragons at all. By the way, that's a karate movie. <laughs> I mean, he's he's called the anyway. Bye everybody. <laughs> Bye.